0: this is Daryl working from home, introducing an episode of Allocation Disorder with Sam Stejko and Paul Tenorio. On today's episode, Sam and Paul will be talking about Major League Soccer's proposed plan to have a tournament centralised in Orlando. They're going to get into the details of it, the reporting that they've done, and also offer some really, really good informed opinion. I think this is a great episode of allocation disorder. If you're a Major League Soccer fan, you're really going to like it. I would encourage you to please share it with any friends who are Major League Soccer fans and are interested in the question of if and how and when is Major League Soccer coming back. I said I was working from home and that's what today's sponsor, Remarkably Remote, is all about. How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote wants to know. Remarkably Remote, a new podcast from GoToMeeting, will help you succeed in today's quote, new normal, unquote. In three minutes or less, Remarkably Remote will share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track from managing your motivation, workload and relationships to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to com slash tips, T-I-P-S. Okay, Here's Allocation Disorder with Sam and Paul.
1: Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. It is a beautiful Friday morning here, getting ready for the weekend. Who cares if all the days are the same now? It doesn't matter. It's still a weekend. Paul, how's it going today, man?
2: You know I'm doing well, man. I'm I'm, but not as well as you are. You've been crushing it for us. You've been just breaking stories left and right, man.
1: Uh, yeah, it's been a busy week for sure. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> lots lots of new stories at the Athletic from me and you and everybody else. Um, so yeah, lots to talk about on this show, specifically relating to MLS and a potential return to play. So news broke earlier this week um, via the Washington Post. And via ESPN, two separate stories, um, one on the Washington Post about a potential tournament in Orlando um, as a return to play um, that I later provided a lot of details on and one via ESPN um, about a potential 20 percent pay cut across the board for the entire entire league, the entire player pool in mls um and those two things are separate but also not and kind of tied together and all of there's a lot of moving parts here and they're all kind of intrinsically related so we'll talk about all of those we might dive into some academy stuff as well because we saw some changes there with mls announcing the teams that's going to be in its in its like elite youth league or whatever it is that they're going to end up calling this thing um So we might dive in a little bit there at the end, but mostly we're going to be talking about Orlando and maybe some CBA and pay cuts and TV deals and everything that goes into this. So let me lay out the facts as we know them right now. Uh, Basically, the league came to the players union late last week um, with a proposal saying, what do you think about going down to Orlando by June 1st, uh, training for about a month, um, and then going into games for another month, um, potentially a month and a half, if you're a team that advances, um, out of the round robin group stage and into the knockout stage of this tournament. Um everyone would be quarantined at the Coronado Springs Resort um outside of Orlando. Um all the games we played at ESPN's Wide World of Sports, um, which is of course owned by Disney. Um, the resort also owned by Disney. Um, and that's a pretty significant element that we'll get back to later on and everyone, all 26 teams would be down there. You would have traveling parties from, from all of the teams that include players, of course, uh, coaches, trainers, um, probably a media person, um, probably some administrators, maybe a GM or, or someone in that department. Um, so, A lot of people, you'd probably have around 1,200, 1,300 people down there in Orlando from MLS. uh, They'd all be staying at the same hotel. They'd all be getting tested for COVID-19 regularly, and they would be playing games and getting the league back into the swing of things. Um, Exactly what the games would look like, uh, what they would be counting for is not totally clear yet. Um, and it's not totally clear yet whether or not this is even going to happen. Of course, MLS has to guarantee, I mean, they can't guarantee, but do their best to ensure a safe and healthy environment for everyone going down there, and then the players have to agree to it. And that's a a major item in this, um, as as one might expect. So a lot going on here, Paul. Um, What are your kind of general thoughts about the outline of of this Orlando plan?
2: Um, I... You know, Sam, I've been skeptical this whole time that games are going to happen this year. And I'm skeptical that games are going to happen in this fashion. Um, Just as I was skeptical when there was the trial balloon that got floated for Major League Baseball, that all the games would be happening in in Arizona. um, I just think logistically it's going to be very difficult to pull this off. And there are a lot of reasons for that. But I think you laid it out really well in the story from kind of the basic, the most basic level, which is the the human side of this. You're going to be asking players and staff to, you know, fly to Orlando and stay there for two months, at least, away from their families and at a time when a global pandemic is unfolding. And I'm going to read the paragraph from your story because I think it hits on Ooh. some of the, the really reading. important a segment
1: points. we call reading on allocation disorder.
2: Yeah. So, and it's a tease for those of you who, uh, who listen to allocation disorder through total soccer show, which thank you to also subscribe because Sam does really good work. And, and, and these are some of the details that we're going to go over. Sam wrote, so, you wrote some players, for example, have pregnant partners who are expecting to give birth of, over the summer. What would happen with those players if they don't go to Orlando or they leave the tournament midway through? The answer is unclear. Sources said some international players would be leaving behind significant others, sometimes with children who might not speak the native language or have a driver's license. Clubs in the league would provide assistance in those cases. But as of yet, the source said there's no concrete plan for how this would actually happen. Others still would be leaving partners who would overnight turn into single working parents during a pandemic. Not an easy situation. And Sam, I almost sent you the end of that sentence. Because I didn't, I thought that was, you let people off lightly there. Not an easy situation. (laughs) I, you know. To say the least, maybe I could have added that phrase. (laughs) Right. I mean, I am parenting, co-parenting with my wife, a 10-month-old right now. And, you know, Sam, I call you all the time to talk to you about the struggle I'm going through right now of balancing doing my job and trying to do it well with having a a kid at home all the time. And same for for my wife who, who has a job um that she's trying to maintain and and do well. Um it is incredibly difficult and we only have one kid and that kid doesn't even walk yet. So, you know, the idea of asking families to take this on with very little little help is is um it's a big ask. It's not something that um should be taken lightly and I think players are going to recognize that it's something that could have a really big impact on their lives because it would have a huge impact on their on their significant other's lives. And I think also, you know, I wrote a story about, you know, the two Serbian players with the Chicago Fire who are here and adjusting yeah. to a new culture. You know, their their significant others are in another country. So, you know, this wouldn't affect them that way. But, you know, imagine leaving your wife who doesn't speak English and going to another state, you know, and, and leaving her for, for months. I mean, it's right. just crazy. And she doesn't
1: me. have family or support nearby. Right. right. Or an ability
2: to yeah. navigate um, a, a city that is halfway shut down, right? Um, yeah. Where everyone's wearing masks. So communication is more difficult when you go out publicly. You know, there are so many layers to this. And I think also, you know, I was reading in a story about baseball coming back um, and, and the writer, I, I don't know who, I, I can't think of who wrote the story, but the writer goes through the number of baseball players that have pre-existing conditions who have, you know, and and, and the same is, it's the same for Major League Soccer. You know, what do you do with Chris odoi who who recently recovered from cancer and is more susceptible? Right. Jordan, Jordan Morris, Morris, who's type who 1 diabetes. diabetes. Yeah. And, and that doesn't even go into some of the more complicated um, you know, situations where people may have been born with autoimmune disorders or things that, that make them more susceptible. You know, That's a reality that these players are going to be facing. You're asking them to take on a greater risk to go and do this. And I don't, I don't know how the league can do it safely. And and to ensure the safety of those players, more so even than the 22-year-old who's perfectly healthy and perfectly fine and might still be one of the unlucky ones who gets hit hard by this disease. So for all of those reasons, I just think it's, you know, it's it's a lot to think that this is going to happen. And not just that it's going to happen, but that it's going to happen in two weeks' time, essentially, that they're going to all be on yeah. a plane in two weeks flying to Orlando. So it, I
1: just there's so much to overcome here, Sam. Yeah, there is, um, and we can get into a little bit more of that. But one quick note on the timing. I, I've talked to a lot of administrators, a lot of GMs, a lot of PR people, a lot of players, a lot of people familiar with the players' union, folks at the league. I've talked to a lot of people the last couple of days. And one of the one of the things that, that I took away from those conversations is that timing might be flexible here, right? Like, of course, they would like to get back as soon as possible, but, you know, if they start uh, – if they push everything back two weeks – that's not going to kill this plan. You know, like that's, that's not, the, the timing yeah, of course, isn't, of course. The, timing the isn't, tournament the, isn't the hurdle to overcome here. Right. So, um, that's, that's kind of further down the list of priorities. Um, it is curious that they're trying to pull it together so quickly, you know, informing the union. If, if it happened last Friday, I'm not sure the specific day, last Thursday, last Friday, late last week, right? Then you're giving them essentially three weeks notice um, for all of this, which just doesn't seem like a ton to me. Um, one other thing I wanted to note, it's not just players that are dealing with these problems, right? It's the trainers. It's the coaches. It's everyone that's traveling down there as part of this, broadcasters, maybe media members, um, and, and that sort of brings me into the pay part of this, right? Cause I was thinking about this as just on a personal level. And as I was writing up these stories this week and I'm like, man, if, if my work asked me to leave my home for two months and go to Orlando and expose myself further to this disease and leave my wife at home by herself in New York city, and so kind of ex- Further expose her to things because you know instead of splitting, going outside, she's going to be having to do it all by herself. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I, I would need, a, I would need something extra to do that, right? Like I would be looking for a bonus, right? <laughs> I would be looking for a little pay bump. And MLS is talking about doing this while talking about decreasing pay, and while that makes sense on a certain level, right? Revenue is down all across the league for every single team. Um, on another level, it, it's, I would just have a hard time with that as a player where I would be like, okay, you're asking me to leave my family and my home for two-plus months and put myself at further risk not only of coronavirus, but if you, if, you, if you think about it, right, you're getting a month of preseason after you've taken two months off without touching a ball right? That's, that's a full off season essentially. Um, and yeah, you can work out at home, but there's only so much you can really do. And so you're coming into this and then you're going to go right into difficult training and you're really going to have like two weeks of full preseason in terms of full team training before you start playing a decent amount of games in a short time span. And then, Oh, by the way, all of this is happening in central Florida in June and July uh, Paul, you lived in Orlando for a few years. <laughs> uh, well, the weather down there at that time of year, not so forgiving. So you're going to be exposing yourself to added injury risk, right? You know, hamstrings, calves, God forbid, like something more serious than a muscle strain. All of these affect uh, a player's career prospects and earning potential. And so when you factor all of those things into the equation, if I'm a player and, and MLS is saying, hey, go down there and do this, And then, oh, by the way, take a pay cut. I would be like, are you serious? Like, no, like, I don't want to do that at all. Um, But at the same time, they might not have much of a choice. Um, So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this plays out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I agree completely. And, uh, you know, Blake Snell, the pitcher, uh, Major League Baseball pitcher, hit on a lot of this. He was, I think he was gaming and he talked about it. And, And, you know, this exact idea. I mean, you are opening yourself up to injury risk for sure. And, um, obviously to COVID and you're doing this at the same time. Like you said, that they want you to cut your pay. It just doesn't make sense from that perspective. And there will be increased injuries. I mean, a hundred percent there will be. I spoke to coaches last week about the substitution rule and all of them talked about the fact that they know that they are going to have more injuries because of the the number of games being played in a short amount of time in the heat of Orlando coming off of one or two weeks of full team training um, when they would need realistically four to five to ramp up fitness to a to a meaningful level, and that's not playing all of your games in Orlando in July um, you know already you know covering Orlando City, they had an increased number of injuries every season during the summer they've used a number of different fitness people really? sports science people to try to fix that problem, but realistically it's happening because they're playing in the heat. And they're playing in the humidity and they're training every single day in that heat and humidity. And that is, you know, that is what's going to cause that issue. So um, it's just logistically, it doesn't make sense to me. The only reason they're doing this is to try to recover revenue lost, And I get that. I get that it's a business. I get that side of it. I just think that, um, you know, when I really think of the big picture here... I don't understand how anyone can take the health and safety of, of other human beings and rank that below sports coming back. And I think that yeah. we're and, just going to have to
1: wait. To be fair, MLS is not going to do this if it's not safe enough, right? Like straight up. So, But even if it is deemed safe enough, it's a little less safe than what it would be if everyone was staying and, in the homes. And right?
2: Sam, we haven't even gotten into the issue of testing.
1: Right. And and, like, that's, that's something like, will they be able to pull that off? You know, I I keep hearing, uh, at first I heard two to three times a week and, and now I'm hearing every other day and that's for everyone down there. Right. That's not just players. That's everybody. So if you're talking about 1300 people every other day, that's a lot of tests over the course of eight to 10 weeks. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of tests, and is are, is MLS going to be able to get those tests? You know, I've, I've somebody pointed out to me yesterday, kind of speculating. Well, Orlando City is partnered with Orlando Health, and that could play a role. In, and Disney would likely play a role in all of this. Um, obviously, that's that company has a ton of juice in in Florida, specifically. Um, and even nationally, and a ton of money, and maybe they would be able to help MLS procure those tests that they would need. But even if they're able to get the tests, is it politically viable, right? What do the optics look like in terms of, okay, all of these MLS people are getting tested regularly, and maybe the American general public can't. Or right? frontline workers. Yeah, so so if, if that's still happening, then... Is it even worth it? And, and another thing that was brought up to me too, not, not on the testing front, but Paul, you've, you've been to MLS preseasons. What do your games look like after two weeks of, of training? Yeah, the quality is not great. It's not great. And the quality here is going to be not great, right? Cause you add in the heat, um, you add in no crowds that takes away from the TV product, right? Even if everything else is perfect, that takes away from the TV product significantly,
0: Hey, this is producer Daryl cutting in to let you know about today's sponsor. Today's episode of Allocation Disorder on the Total Soccer Show feed is sponsored by Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that are super consumable and easy to take on the go. So these specially formulated CBD products can help you in all sorts of ways. They can help you to chill out, to decompress, to relax, to keep your composure. Especially if you're playing an impromptu soccer tournament in Orlando in the middle of summer. It could happen. You may even need CBD if you want to relax while you're watching said impromptu tournament. Or maybe even if you're organising said impromptu tournament because it sounds very, very complicated. I'm a fan of CBD myself. It really does help you relax, help you focus, and it is 100% legal. There is no weird grey area here. CBD is 100% legal in all 50 states. You can get 25% off your first order with the code SOCCER at Sundyscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at Sundyscaries.com If you enter the code SOCCER where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you. There's oil, there's gummies, there's the energy shot. Go to Sundyscaries.com and use code SOCCER. Okay, I will send you back to Sam and Paul discussing Major League Soccer's proposed Orlando tournament.
1: Um, So, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. I understand why the league is trying to put together a plan to come back, right? I think everyone wants to play. The players want to return too, right? Everyone would like to get back. Uh, It's just, how do you do that? And how do you do that in a way that addresses everyone's concerns and makes everyone feel safe? Because the other part about this is you need significant buy-in from the players and the union doesn't know exactly how they're going to decide on this, right? So for, for a CBA, for instance, right? The way it works is every team has three members, three players on the bargaining committee, and every team has one vote and you know, it's, Simple majority, basically. If they get enough votes to pass it, then they accept the CBA. And that's that. This is a different issue. Like, the players that I talked to, um, the other people that I've spoken to, are basically like, you know, if it's 51 49, like, that's not really going to work. Like, if the players are feeling compelled to go and they're not into this tournament, well, then maybe they're not going to (laughs) try. Maybe they're going to badmouth it in the media. Maybe they're going to blow off these games and not really work that hard. So, and then what do you have, right? Then you have a lackluster product to begin with. That's the starting point, getting worse and worse and worse if the players aren't actually bought in.
2: Yeah, I mean, just logistically a lot to cover. And, you know, I I think this is an area we we can dig into more as we report, but, you know, and I don't know if you've had conversations about this, but when we talk about what this competition would look like when they're down in Florida, you also have to talk about the business side of it, right? Right. Um, obviously these, these are games that would be played at ESPN's wide world of sports, uh, right. on, at Disney. You know, what does that mean for Fox and Univision? Uh, obviously Fox and ESPN, I think have, have worked together, um, in a way that's pretty unprecedented to partner covering MLS and to cross promote on each other's channels. Um, but you know, how would they work out a deal there? And beyond that, all of these lo- teams have local television deals, right? Um, where you know regular yeah, season I, games, I imagine, imagine they be put TV. to the side. Well, they can't. I mean, you. I don't know that you can just put them to the side. It's a contract, well, right? So, maybe,
1: maybe there's simulcast situations. You know, my, the sense that I've gotten is that ESPN would be broadcasting the bulk of these games, right? So, um, so
2: the question then becomes, you know, I think that I think we we start to look at what this competition is, right, and say I think that creates a hurdle potentially for them to count these games for the regular season. Because yeah. the moment you call them regular season games, those local TV channels have a claim to the content. But if you're calling this a separate tournament with a berth yeah. for the Champions League at stake and a separate prize money and it doesn't count toward the regular season, then it's very easy to just package it for ESPN and you don't have to worry about anything else. So I think right. you know when we talk about what will this competition mean and, and how can you not make it count toward the regular season if you want players to care, that might be one of the, the things that the league is weighing and saying, okay, well, we can't really make it The easier path is to not make it a part of the regular season so that you aren't uh, in violation of contracts with local TV um, stations and things like that. And you can package this for ESPN. So, you know, that that's. That gets down to the next layer of, okay, well, then how do you make it meaningful if this doesn't impact the standings? You know, how, yeah, how yeah. high does the and cash d- prize need to know. be? How you know how much of an incentive is it to take part in Champions League, to get a Champions League berth out of it? Right. You know, there are there are all... And I, and I was talking to, you know, when I was interviewing Caleb Porter for the story about the substitutions, he said he really believes that it's going to be, you know, the teams that are able to to kind of keep a positive attitude at this point in time and to have self motivation, right. To, you know, that there may be some benefit to the teams, you know, with players who are, um, you know, that don't need the crowd for motivation or that, you know, are fighting for more people who are fighting for their careers to be continuing. Um, you know, you start to speculate and, and guess at maybe what, what Caleb's thinking there, but, you know, is it going to be as easy to motivate a Pity Martinez, you know, who's on a massive deal, taking a yeah, who doesn't need, doesn't need the money, doesn't need the money, won't have the crowd to be playing for, um, you know, then it will be to motivate, you know, the kind of the mid-tier American player who's still trying to prove himself in his career or keep a job, um, you know, those those things factor in as well. I, there's just so many layers to this, Sam, and I again, I remain skeptical. I just think it's going to be really hard to put together a package that is attractive enough to sway a vast majority of the MLS Players Association.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, but the league has a significant point of leverage here, Paul. And that's the fact that the CBA has not been ratified. And that's a pretty normal thing. And even if the CBA had been ratified, you're probably looking at some sort of legal fight regarding you know, are these contracts valid if no games are happening and all of these things. So the league would find the leverage some way, somehow. But, um, there's the possibility that if the players don't agree to do this, the league could turn around and say, okay, fine, we'll lock you out. And if they lock them out, then they don't get paid at all. And in my conversations with players and representatives and agents and all of these different people, that is something that is firmly planted in the minds of everyone on the player side. They understand that. They know that's looming over their heads. And that's going to get them to the table. And if it's a situation where, hey, you go to Orlando or you don't get paid, then it's a pretty easy choice. Man, you know, can like, you imagine?
2: Do it. I mean, Sam, can you imagine from our point of view?
1: As, I mean, as I don't medi- know if the league. I, can I don't you know imagine if, the league, do if the league did that. I mean, that's, literally, that's the nuclear option, right? I just can't. Like,
2: I cannot imagine a scenario in which the league would take the public relations hit of leveraging players' health for their pay. It would to be, say, you it might be, not feel comfortable playing during a global pandemic,
1: but if you don't, it would be, we're going to not it would be pay out you. Not on a limb so far. Yeah. No, it would be crazy, right? It would be a crazy, crazy move, and they would get killed for it publicly. But, it's out there, you know? And it's something that the players are thinking about, and it's something that they have to think about, because they have bills to pay, just like you and me and everyone listening to this podcast, right? So... I don't know. It's tough. And, and, and I want to get a l- little bit into the pay cut stuff here because this plays a role. Um, so Jeff Carlisle of ESPN reported, I think on Monday night, that the league had, had offered a 20% pay cut across the board. The league had previously, I don't know if proposed is the right word. They presented, had floated. Presented. Floated. Floated. Presented. Uh, a 50% pay cut um, for everyone making basically $200,000 or more the 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 max or the the minimum salary you could go down to with the pay cut was 100k and then everyone under 100k wouldn't have their money touched then they came back with this 20 percent deal from the conversations that i've had over the last 24 hours now um the bargaining committee so that cba committee that i was telling you about earlier uh they're currently batting around counter proposals to present to the league Uh, It sounds like it'll probably be a 10% pay cut that they'll come back with and maybe some deferments in terms of salaries. Um, But there's also been some conversations about pushing, rolling back the CBA a year. So basically the 2020 terms of the CBA would be pushed to 2021 and 2021 terms would be pushed to 2022 and so on and so forth. Um, The league has had those discussions too, from what I've been told. Um, There is some disagreement between the league and the union on when it would end. So the union would want it to end after 2024, which would be the original 2023 terms. Um, and the league would want it to end after 2025, which would maintain the five-year term of the CBA that was agreed to. When was that? February, Paul? Um, and- but they would have the 2024 terms in 2025. The union would just eliminate the 2024 terms and negotiate a new deal after the 2024 season. So we'll see if there's anything there, but that's a really interesting wrinkle too. Um, And then the other part of this for me, Paul, that we have not, we've sort of hinted at, but we we haven't fully gotten there yet, is the TV deal that's coming up after the 2022 season. And we've talked at length on this podcast, we've both written about this countless times, just how important that TV deal is going to be to the direct trajectory of the league between that's the 2023 season and the 2026 world cup, which will be of course hosted in the U S and Canada and Mexico and losing a season now, though it's no fault of the leagues would really probably put a dent in the, in those TV negotiations from the perspective of MLS. So if you organize a tournament like this at Disney properties, for a Disney property in ESPN, well, that's that's kind of that's kind of throwing a bone to one of your longtime, most important, probably media partner from MLS's standpoint. And maybe the thinking is, even if because I don't know that this is going to bring back revenue for MLS this tournament, right, in the short term. But if you do it, maybe ESPN takes care of you a couple years down the road in in those new TV negotiations. And I don't think that's something that should be undersold here. I think that's really, really important in all of these conversations.
2: Yeah. I think the league recognizes the opportunity to not just to help a TV partner, but to potentially capitalize on a quite barren sports market right now. Right. If, if, if MLS is one of the first leagues to come back and is playing live games with multiple games on ESPN a day, um, you know, you're opening yourself up to a new audience and, You know, there are going to be casual fans who tune in because they have nothing else to watch. There are going to be a lot of people who want to bet on sports, who are going to have essentially one set of games to bet on in this country. Um, And that's going to make a lot of people tune into your league. You know, it kind of makes me laugh because of what we talked about earlier. The first couple weeks of these games are going to be low quality games and the television presentation is going to be less than ideal. Um, it's going to feel like watching training games because that's what it's going to be. They're going to be training games, essentially. Um, but there is going to be value there, and there are going to be larger television audiences than Major League Soccer is accustomed to. And those numbers help when you're talking about the growth of the league. And, and it's going to provide some level Paul. of boost, I think, down the road, too, if you play those games. there, I think that will carry over to higher television audiences once, once sports pick up again.
1: There is an idea out there that that a couple different people, GMs, PR folks, have, have sort of vocalized to me this week of that could backfire, potentially. The games could be so low quality that people might tune in and be like, oh, uh, yeah, I remember why I haven't watched MLS in years or never really gave this league a chance. And then they'll never tune back in. And while MLS could be the first to come back, baseball's talking about coming back on July 4th. Right, like three days after MLS might return. Right, so like if MLS is coming back, other leagues will be coming back right around it. So I don't think you're going to have that that kind of. Uh,
2: we'll see. I'm just just. I mean, the fact that some major some major stars of Major League Baseball are coming out and talking quite. Yeah. Skeptically I mean, who knows if any of this will happen?
1: I mean, the Bundesliga is coming back this weekend. Who knows if it'll be back the week after? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it got canceled. Like after this weekend's round of games or next weekend's round of games, right? Who knows with any of this stuff, it is kind of fascinating on a lot of different levels. Um, but yeah, I also, I I wanted to get back to the stakes conversation because I was joking around with someone. I was talking to a player actually that I was talking to, um, earlier this week and, and he had brought up the, you know, if players aren't there and they're not all in, this isn't going to be a worthwhile exercise, and so we were just kind of batting ideas back and forth about how could you make it competitive and meaningful and <laughs> we came up with this this plan uh kind of like a hunger game style right where the champion of the tournament gets a fat cash prize maybe this, the runner-up gets a smaller cash prize maybe the third place team doesn't get a pay cut and then you know you do Fourth place gets a two percent pay cut across the board, all the way down to twenty sixth getting like a fifty percent pay cut. Um, those games would be those games would have meeting, um, and everyone would be trying in every single second of those matches. And you would have probably some real butchers out there gunning for some of the top players in the league with some nasty challenges. But the player I was talking to would be like, "Well, that would be amazing from a competitive standpoint. I mean, it will never happen, but um, just kind of a funny, funny idea." That I wanted. Can you I, even? I had imagine? to get out there. I had to get it out there. It's in some way. So
2: I just feel bad for for the guys who who know the quality of their teams going into that tournament.
1: I mean, well, but the, that's yeah. the thing, though. It's like a preseason tournament, and you see bad teams win preseason tournaments all the time. And if you're doing like one-off games or group stage games, anything can happen, right? I think so it'll be
2: it'll be interesting to see Sam too. The the impact of um of a potential tournament happening, right, with some of the the players that are out there. You know, is there a benefit to the teams with a younger roster because those players right. recover faster? Is there a benefit to teams who have more veterans on their bench? You know, do guys who are free agents right now who, you know, no one called them when a regular season was going to happen, you know, does do they start to have more value, right? Is yeah. Servando do Carrasco and Steven Betashore... Are those guys all of a sudden more valuable? Does the league work out a potential deal with USL to be able to expand their rosters and to bring players from independent USL teams on loan to have experienced rosters? Do we see more homegrown players getting opportunities and and academy kids playing games? All these different layers to it that, that could be really intriguing and really interesting and actually incredibly worthwhile to watch independent of the results of the games, right? Like to keep an eye on who are the kids that maybe have a chance to establish themselves that wouldn't have otherwise. Um, you know, those, those are interesting side kind of sidebars if the competition gets back. But, you know, as we've gone over for the last half hour in the show, there's, you know, there is, there's still so much to be decided and to be determined. And, you know, how, how, what what number of staff members do you bring down to these resorts how do you broadcast them what kind of media coverage do you have um you know what how big of an rv is it going to take to have sam and pablo down there together in orlando covering this i mean so many questions to answer
1: <laughs> i think we would need two different tour buses paul to be totally honest. no 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 if you we'll send you guys situations.
2: together you know in a small rv you know you can cook it'll be fine it'll be great
1: All right, cool. Are you, uh, am I getting half your salary to do this, Paul? Are you contributing? You know, maybe
2: I might pay. I might pay to watch you and Pablo (laughs) in an RV for a couple months.
1: Um, there would be fireworks, that's for damn sure. Maybe literal ones. Can you buy fireworks in Florida? Come on, think about (laughs) that. Dumb question. question. (laughs) (laughs) I would go down to Yeehaw Junction, get myself some fast passes or something. I don't know. Yeah,
2: man. On your drive on your drive from New right York, right you can stop at uh, south of the border, and you'll be fine. You can load up on oh, fireworks. Oh, wow. There.
1: In Florence, South Carolina? Yeah, oh, obviously. That would be... If anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, just Google it. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> anyway, what else do we have to talk about here? Oh, one other thing I needed to mention. A few other things. First, I'm not convinced that every owner is totally on board with this. Um There was kind of some talk among the players that that I was speaking to that like, hey, I don't know if everyone's in. Like they're exploring it, but they're not convinced that ownership or team doctors think this is the smartest idea from the league. So I don't know if that will play a role, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, Another thing is that no one really knows, you know, we've talked about the competition format and what it might be, right? So it's a minimum of five group stage games for every team. And then teams would call, qualify for a knockout phase. Uh, the f- one, one thing that I heard was it would be four groups, three groups of six teams, one group of eight teams. I don't know if that's true or not, but that was one thing that I heard would at least make mathematical sense. Um, so, but no one's really sure if there's going to be regular season after this. It might be that if they do this, this could be the whole the whole MLS season, right? Because who knows? Like, COVID-19 might come back hard in the fall, right? And it might shut everything down again as the weather gets a little colder. Um, that's a real possibility. That's something that they're thinking about. Um, is there going to be an appetite for closed-door matches in home markets, right? So that's that's another thing to consider. Of course, teams in the league would want, if, if there's a possibility, to get fans into stadiums and hold games, they would want that. That doesn't really seem that likely right now, so I'm not sure. I mean, there, there's a real, I think I think there's a real chance that if this happens, it's the only MLS we see this year. Um, and by the way, if that's the case, I think you would have a much, much easier time getting players on board, right? But the problem is there's no real way to go out and say that. Um, because, as I mentioned, if there's a chance of getting people into stadiums for matches later, to, later in the year, they're going to take it. Uh, but... You know, if you told all the players, you know, you're going to be gone for two months, maybe two and a half months if you do well in this tournament, but then the season's over and you get to end it two months earlier and you get to be back with your families and you get to spend time with them, yada, 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 then, you know, talking to players, talking to agents, talking to other people, like the buy in would be a lot, a lot easier to get for the league from the players.
2: I just wonder what the liability is going to be, too you know is the league knowing the league they're going to ask the players to sign a waiver and i i don't know how uh, how in good conscience a, a lawyer or an agent can advise a player to sign a waiver like that
1: yeah i don't know it's uh i mean how can you really how can you pay somebody to give the advice
2: and those and the, and the the advice would be yeah <laughs> go ahead sign that waiver right
1: i mean it's it, it all to me all of it comes back to what's the alternative and if the alternative is you're not getting paid Then maybe you go do it, you know? So I I don't know, man, this, I'm just glad I'm not Don Garber. Like I I I wouldn't mind being Don Garber right now. I mean, this is such a, a headache. Like think about this, Paul. You know, they're going down there. The first week of training would be individual. They're essentially quarantined for the first week in, upon arrival in Orlando, all the teams. So the first week of training is individual, as is happening at certain facilities around the, around the league um, over the last week or so. Uh, but what does that mean for transportation? You know, the resort they'd be staying at is about 10 minutes away driving from the wide world of sports. It's like three or four miles. You can't walk. So is every player going to have to have their own car? Right, because no, if it's, it's individual, individual
2: training, you give a nice three
1: mile jog to the field, <laughs> and then three miles back. Yeah, of course, that's, that's part your individual of your training. training. You yeah, okay. It's your long Maybe long distance that's it. fitness, training. But, but is every is every player going to have to have their own car? Right. W- what are you doing with hotel staff? Are they going to be quarantined on site? Like I've heard that that's what would happen. But how do how do you pull that off? You know, so there's so many different factors that you don't even think about at first brush. Right. And, and those are important. And how do you figure those out? Maybe, maybe
2: Um, you can double down on some of these positions. You know, Weeby will be there to help broadcast the games, but also work the front desk at the Disney resort. (laughs) There you
1: go. I'm sure he would love that. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Taylor Swellman. He's, he's going to broadcast games for ESPN and, and he will also chauffeur, uh, you know, Nashville FC players to and from the training ground. How about that? Um, I mean, but basically the, the logistical issues of this are like infinite. Like you can, we could have, we could talk for another hour about every little problem and and how do you solve all of those? It's going to be really hard. Um, so I don't envy anyone that has to make those decisions. Um, I do wonder if it would be a little more feasible for the league to do this at like four different sites, right? So you, have a pod in orlando you have a pod in kansas city dallas colorado salt lake wherever right and you house teams in these different locations and they do their little group stage there you see how it goes and then maybe you can do it your knockout stage in in one separate location where where all the teams that advanced meet up and play again um you know and, and i feel like that would minimize a little bit of the risk in terms of you know, having fewer people at one hotel because that's something sure. the that players have talked to me about. They're like if you have like twelve thirteen hundred people in one hotel at one facility, even if they try and wall us off from each other they're we're gonna be sharing spaces. People are going to be touching the same doorknobs, people are going to be sweating on the same fields and falling all over each other and touching each other and all of that stuff and so if one person gets it, is there a chance that this thing spreads like wildfire right, and no one really knows what will happen if someone tests positive apparently the league is working with the other leagues, um, North American leagues, maybe some European leagues, um, to develop kind of a standard protocol, um, f- for that situation. Um, so we'll see how that plays out, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, but there's there also so that questions. opens
2: up other logistical issues, right? Then it's like you know, it's, you're talking of your TV partners, now you have to have TV crews and production of capabilities at four different sites instead of just one, which means four times the number of staff. Of four course, times the no- it would know. be harder in certain so it, ways. It does, but, uh, like, every, what, but like, what's you said, the most important thing? I mean, every scenario you put out right. there creates a whole new set of logistical issues, and and. Not easy ones to solve. And ultimately, all of these issues still come with the increased risk to player safety um, and and staff safety for that matter, uh, versus staying at home. So that these are these are the problems MLS faces and and uh, you know, I you know, I'll be interested to see if, if something actually comes of it if, if at some point, the league and the players can come to an agreement where they say, Hey, you know, this is uh this is worthwhile and we, we have a a real way to do this. And I, I you know, I don't walk away from this conversation any more convinced that it'll happen than I did going in, but you know, I also I also think that, that the dollars you know typically win out. So, you know, maybe I'll yeah. just be wrong.
1: I think health and safety is the number one thing here, and so if they can't get that to a point that they're comfortable then it won't happen but yeah dollars typically went out um i have one more thing that i wanted to say and then i'm gonna ask you a question all right so the one more thing that i wanted to say and this is kind of funny every person on the club side of things that i talked to regardless of their role whether coach gm pr other other staff all of them were like man i do not want to go down there for this i really hope that the players bail us out and say no like on a personal level right (laughs) <laughs> and talking to some of the players, uh, I mentioned that to them and, and they sort of laughed and they were like, man, we're kind of feeling like we hope, we hope the league is like, you know what? We just can't do this. And they bail us out. So I think everyone's kind of looking for a way out of this, except for maybe, maybe certain people high up. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting. But my question for you, Paul is uh gun to your head. Yes or no. Is this going to happen? No. I
2: don't think it happens. I just think the, the, the issues are too numerous. The the safety of players is not going to be able to be guaranteed at a level high enough. Um, I think the number of tests needed to administer is going to be difficult to acquire and then difficult to do without taking a massive PR hit. Um, and I think ultimately if this does begin and a player tests positive, it, I, I just know. I don't think it happened. Sam, what do you got?
1: I agree with you for pretty much all those reasons you said, but they're going to try and move hell or high water, do it by hell or high water to uh, to achieve it exhaust every possibility. And maybe they come back in some different way, but I don't think it's, it's happening in, in the current proposal or, or really anything that close to it. Um, so anyway, I think that's a good enough place for us to, to call call time on this episode. We'll get to that Academy stuff, I would imagine. At some point at a later date, there's a lot to uh, go through there. But, yeah, I'll be working um,
2: on a story for The Athletic on that next week. So we can we can delve into that once sure. I've had my numerous phone calls and reporting to, to kind of help educate <laughs> us more.
1: There you go. There you go. Well, you know, we shouldn't say we're going to do it next week because, geez, who knows what, what the next seven days of news will bring. But until next time. I am Sam. He is Paul. This has been Allocation Disorder. Thanks for listening.